This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. In 2008, a podcast was created with one goal. To bring Bat fans around the world news related to movies, comics, video games, television, merchandise, and so much more. And now, the Batman Universe Podcast has returned. Welcome to the latest episode of the TVU Podcast. I'm Dustin, and BJ and Scott are with me today, and we are talking about the Batman. That's right. Uh, after a couple of weeks of talking about some other things, as we get closer to the release of the film, we're going to be talking about nothing but, well, almost nothing but the Batman. And uh, this week, we're going to go over some of the updates that have happened over the last three weeks. We've kind of talked about a little of these here or there, um, briefly mentioning um, the tickets were on sale last week and and uh, letting you guys know that you can help TBU out by using our affiliate links for ticket purchases. But then there's also a number of other things. There's some there, the press junkets are out. Um, we've got a couple of different articles. I've been posting up an article once a week, typically on the weekends, recapping all of the news for the Batman rather than doing it day by day, specifically because there's a lot of news in general, but there's not a lot of, there might be a new poster that comes out, but unfortunately that's not enough to really warrant an entire article for a single new poster. So rather than forgetting something or missing something because there's just not enough to write about, uh, we, we're we doing articles talking about all the updates at once every single week. Um, hopefully you guys have been taking a look at those, um, but there is a lot of different things that have been happening over the last three weeks as we get closer, and the press junkets have started, and while we haven't posted up videos for every single press junket, because let's be honest, there's, there's a ton of them. There's going to be probably close to 100 different media outlets that are going to be doing interviews and things like that. But that said, there's still plenty of things that are that are popping out of those some of those those media interviews and things like that that we're going to discuss here. And then uh, at the end of the show, we're going to kind of hint at what we're going to ta- be talking about in the coming weeks because there's a lot of stuff that uh, we want to get to before the film comes out and right after the film comes out as well. So starting off, I want to talk about the posters. There is a lot of posters that have released in the last couple of weeks. Uh, first off, um, going back to the week of uh, the the first week of February, there was a couple of new posters uh, specifically labeled Unmask the Truth, and there was a Batman, Catwoman, Riddler, and Penguin one. Conveniently, these around the same time also popped up in Times Square because I remember seeing shots online on Twitter of people taking pictures of these posters 
basically being giant across multiple digital billboards in in New York City. Um, so there, the 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 official marketing is clearly well underway. I mean, obviously we're less than two weeks away from the film at this point. The film's coming, and the advertising that you see. While I will say I haven't seen as much online as in uh, banner ads and things like that or even you know trailers popping up. But then again, I don't have a lot of ad content that I could actually see it. I'm not, I, I know that they've been doing some promotional tie-ins with uh, some of the – some some events that have been going on uh specifically at the super bowl there was a quick shot uh from there wasn't i don't think it was actually i never saw it actually during the super bowl they said it was the big game spot but i never actually saw it during the super bowl but there was a quick one minute clip that showcased batman and um batman flash black adam and aquaman and kind of making everybody aware that 2022 there's going to be a lot of dc films that are going to be releasing but batman was part of that uh but the media is completely underway and these were the posters that first came out the unmask the truth and then if you jump over to the following week not only was there some new posters there was a new poster for exclusive for Dolby Cinema. There was a new poster for IMAX, and then there was a new poster also for IMAX, but this one was actually done by Bill Sign-Kai-Wicks. I'm sure I'm saying that completely wrong, um, but he put together a exclusive poster for IMAX as well. So that is there. And then the following week, there was yet another one, uh, just one this time around. The final one that we've got is there was a, a Chinese poster that released announcing when when Batman will be releasing in China, which is March 18th. So what did you guys think of some of these posters? I know recently, uh, BJ, you, you put together an article on the site, uh, a new TBU5 things, talking about the uh, best Batman movie posters. Uh, obviously, you were talking about all of the Batman movie posters, but what did you think of some of these new posters that came out over the last three weeks? To uh, keep track, because there's so many keep coming, it's tough to know which are official and which are kind of like fan-made, but that new... Uh, Unmasked the Truth one I really liked with the um, question mark as like the bullseye around around Bruce Wayne, and it features all the major players in the movie. I really like that one. That was uh, I'm a fan of the simpler posters. Just give me Batman and a bat logo, and uh, I'm sold. I agree. I mean, I think like the thing that really like I've looked at all the posters. I can't remember which one belongs to which because there's so many, and I have seen like a few like around Chicago, you know posted around but i think the thing that stands you know to jumps to mind always is, is what you said is that um question mark and the crosshairs thing i feel like that's a good um like logo or branding specifically for this movie kind of reminds me of the um the joker smile for the dark knight so it's just like once you see like you know the, that joker smile that way like you know automatically what movie's for and this it's like you know just that little symbol you know no matter what it's on you could put it on anything and like you know instantly recognizable forever this movie is so i think it's it's simple it kind of gives you like a basic of the movie you know it's batman and riddler and just very like easily recognizable i agree um the the little question marks are obviously the thing that's going to be the equivalent to that joker smile it, it's interesting because penguin gets a poster because we everything we've heard is that penguin isn't as big of a you know he has a role he plays a role 
but he's not necessarily a main character in the film. He just has a prominent role because he is the penguin. Um, I'm guessing that the intent was to kind of like set him up to be not necessarily a background character, but a character that is going to be utilized in the future. Maybe as if, well, I say Scarecrow, but Scarecrow was used in all three Nolan films, but had a very prominent role in the very first film with Batman Begins. Um, but I think Penguin was kind of set that, and then that's that explains why Matt Reeves um, came up with the idea for a Penguin series and pitched that to HBO Max for a potential uh, series because Penguin has the ability to ha- be more fleshed out because that's not necessarily happening in the film itself. I did read recently somewhere that he is a mob lieutenant right now he's not he does have the iceberg lounge um oh this was in a a description of the film from entertainment weekly which was one of the articles in these updates there was a there was a brief mention that catwoman is working as a waitress at the iceberg lounge trying to make ends meet but is also on the side a uh, sometimes a drug dealer um, she works for uh, Oswald Cobblepot, who is known as the Penguin, who is a mob lieutenant at the time of the, the movie taking place. So just that little bit of blurb that was in the Entertainment uh, Weekly article had a lot of information that we didn't necessarily already know. We've seen hints of, let's say, Selena Kyle in a wig in presumably the same place that uh, Drifter Bruce Wayne is attacking. And we've seen Batman attacking Penguin and obviously chasing him down. We've seen that in the trailers. So there's a lot going on there. But I don't know that Penguin is going to have as big a role. I feel like this is a very much a first act situation where um, we're going to see Penguin in the, in the film in the beginning. And he's going to be quickly taken down by Batman in some way. And so it's, it's interesting to see that he got a poster. But I think it's just because he is that recognizable character of the Penguin. And that is what a lot of fans are going to know. And even mainstream people are going to know is, who is that? Oh, it's the Penguin. Let's check this out. If they're, I guess, in, I guess, if they're uh, lured in by the idea of Penguin being in the film, I wonder if he's like, you know, him being labeled as a mob lieutenant. I wonder if that's like the connection. Like maybe he's working for um, Carmine Falcone because like John Turturro was playing him. That's a pretty good name for that role. So I kind of wonder if maybe those two our characters will see together kind of working hand in hand you know one obviously penguin working for falcone or something but you know and maybe that relates to the spinoff show matt reeves pitch too in some way all right so the next thing i want to talk about is also that same same week of february there was a dc comics announced that they are going to have a number of their high profile titles in March, having specific variant covers celebrating the release of the Batman. And out of the covers that are released, there's there's one for pretty much all of the main Bat books that you would expect. There's one for Batman 121. Uh, there's one for uh, Batman Killing Time number one, which is the new series launching from Tom King. Miniseries, that is. Batgirls number four. Uh, we've got Detective Comics number 1056. There's Batman the Knight, number three. There is Catwoman, number 41. 
Justice League number 74, Nightwing number 90, and Harley Quinn number 13. Those are the books that are going to be getting special covers. We have a gallery on the website. Just look for that Batman Updates article from February 5th, and you can see all of the uh, covers that are releasing. Some of these are pretty cool in their own way. Some of them, the artistic uh, impressions, like I'm looking specifically at uh, Detective Comics number 1056, um, it doesn't look like the Batman from this film. It looks like somebody said, draw Batman, and here's a, a, a glimpse of the car because it doesn't look like the same Batman. This Batman is way more over, uh, just has a larger presence. But some of the other ones are like dead on, do a great job of showcasing what we can expect to see from Robert Pattinson's um, Batman. And then the Harley Quinn one is kind of interesting because it showcases, it's the only one that showcases multiple characters on the cover, including Penguin, who is extremely deformed. And I'm not sure if that was on purpose or they just took some artistic liberties. The other thing that uh, came out over the past couple of weeks is uh, the last one of the last times we talked about themes, uh, or specifically the score for the film, is we talked about how Matt Reeves released the Batman theme. Well, in the last couple of weeks, we've actually also re- we've received the theme for the Riddler, and just this past week, we received the theme for Catwoman. And so now we've got the trilogy of themes for the film, and I've got to say, there's this is some really good music. I, I can't I can honestly say I don't know that it's as iconic as the Denny Elfman uh, music from Batman 1989, but I'm not sure anything will necessarily ever top that. But the music is really good. I would put it right on par with Hans Zimmer's music from the Dark Knight trilogy. So it's definitely good stuff. Um, I just don't know that it is something that is going to be extremely memorable or used over and over again. But there's nothing wrong with the fact that it isn't that because there already is that iconic Batman music from uh, Danny Elfman. Yeah, I was listening to the Catwoman one earlier today, but um, I think the Riddler so far is my favorite just because it's so, like, it's eerie and creepy and there's, like, a weird childlike quality to it at one point and then it gets like really erratic and crazy and i love the idea that like it plays with this duality of someone kind of being quiet and timid and reflective but also like horribly vengeful and angry and erratic and so it's it's like the more of these that come out the more i've kind of been getting excited just because i feel like it's been a long time since we've had composers like really try to like diversify the soundtrack like i still kind of go back to you know something i said in one of our earlier podcasts where like i feel like this kind of reminds me of shirley walker a little bit and it feels like the closest compositions for batman movies we've had since elfman and then shirley walker's work on the animated series so in catwoman I've long thought Michael Giancino should have done a Bond film because Catwoman's theme actually reminds me a lot of like a 60s, 70s era Bond girls theme, but it's still good in its own right. The updates on the themes, I remember in um, the Whedon cut of Justice League, the Elfman theme, the Elfman theme is in there and it kind of sticks out like a sword. Yeah. That's Michael's music. And it's not Ben Affleck. All right. So the next thing is that there's a bunch of magazines. Um, some of these we've mentioned before, but there's a lot of magazines that are featuring either Robert Pattinson or Zoe Kravitz or just the film in general. Um, just to list off some of them, this isn't even all of them, but Empire did one previously. We have Total Film, GQ, L Magazine, Entertainment Weekly, 
all of these uh, had various covers featuring different elements promoting the film. And obviously, this is a really big film in general. Um, we're going to talk about the projections for the weekend that it releases in a second here. But there's a couple of videos that released this past week that I want to discuss. The first one is there was a um, video released by Entertainment Weekly that talking about some of the stuff that's in the Entertainment Weekly articles um, about the uh, Pattinson and Kravitz preparing for the role talking about how, uh, and this is going to be a common theme in a lot of different media interviews that you see about how Robert Pattinson uh, came into the role, how he got the role, or how Zoe Kravitz got the role, what they had to do and what they had to, what, what pieces of the costume they had to try on in order to secure the role, to make sure that everybody knew that they were the right ones for the role. Um, so that was kind of interesting to see. Um, there was also a, a, a Robert Pattinson also appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and while he appeared, they also talked about the costume. But there was a clip that was revealed um, that is the first time this clip has shown up, and I want to talk about the clip because it had some interesting implications. So it clearly takes place, I would say, probably midway through the film. Or at least the early, the, at least the back half of the first half of the film, um, but it, it shows Batman in the interior in in the police department, and I would assume this takes place after the situation that Batman after they arrest Riddler. Riddler is, is behind that bar where Batman's like. Uh, you know, tell me what's going on. What what did you do? That kind of thing. I'm sure it takes place after that. But there's a situation that comes up where uh, Gordon is with Batman in a room and they're talking and then all of a sudden they look and Batman notices somebody uh, with a broken nose. And he says to uh, Gordon, that's the guy I, you know, he must be on Penguins or on the mob's payroll because I took him out at I punched him in the face at at the Iceberg Lounge. And then Gordon questions and goes, are you saying he's on He's on the take? And Batman's like, he doesn't even hesitate. He just punches Gordon and then runs out and then runs through the hallways of the GCPD and then ends up using the grapple gun to go up the stairwell to escape. And I'm guessing that also leads to the scene that we've seen in the trailer where he had, he's being chased by the police and then all of a sudden he jumps and has the wingsuit and then glides away. I'm guessing all of that sequence is part of the same time frame um, because... Let's be honest, I think we've seen such a small fraction of this film that we're purposely being shown a very small fraction at a very specific point of the film that's not going to give too much away. So what did you guys think of that clip? It was so jarring to see Batman punch uh, Jim Gordon like that, just kind of out of nowhere. I had to rewind it just to see if I missed something because they're talking about that guy. And Gordon's like, oh, he moonlights as a, as a drug enforcer or whatever. And Batman's like, no, he moonlights as a cop. And then just Dex Gordon and books it. I thought I missed something. Like, I wonder if there's part of their little scheme to, like, expose corrupt cops is, like, for Batman to act like he's against that him and Gordon aren't really working together. But it was so weird to see it. Yeah, it was a little confusing. 
but also at the same time, I think kind of like since I didn't really quite understand the context and everything because we haven't seen like the movie, obviously, and and everything around that, I really honed in on the very brief action scene that followed, like him being running through the hallways and stuff, and all those cops running after him, him grappling up, and just like looking at like you know the composition of that and how tense that sequence is, and just it just it seemed really neat and just really exciting, and you know just a lot of tension in that back half that like got me intrigued i guess is the best way to put it yeah it's definitely uh, a great clip to promote the film because you are already asking questions after you see it like, what exactly is going on what does this mean uh isn't he working with the police he's not working with the police why is he punching gordon clips like that that per- that uh present a question for fans to ask i think are the best promotional tools because you're going to start wondering what's going on and you're going to question it so much so that you're going to want to see it as soon as possible and obviously let's be honest here those clips that they show on late night television and you know in media appearances and things like that those clips are not necessarily intended for the bat fans who've been following along and have have seen every single trailer and things like that it enhances what we've already seen as bat fans but those clips are intended for the mainstream audience that's not necessarily following along with everything going on with the batman film and because of that it does a great job of pulling them in and, and, and getting them hooked to know want to know what's going on and i think that they're doing a great job with what we've seen um the other big clip that came out was at the end of the week uh literally as i was writing up the article there was a there was an uh, a promotion that happened during the all-star weekend in cleveland where the nba or well it was the nba was having a thing on tnt and because of that tnt obviously is part of warner brothers and uh, they had a semi-new trailer. I don't know that I would classify it as a trailer, but it was about almost. It was it was roughly about a minute long, and it showcases a, a couple of expansions of stuff we've seen in some other trailers. The one thing that it does, in fact, do that uh, we have talked about in the past is that when the message board or the board, I guess, the conspiracy board that Riddler has that Batman and Gordon are looking at in some of the previous um, trailers that we've seen and some of the images that have released or little little shots on online and things like that. Some of the stuff that is part of that, there is, you know, we've talked about. We've talked about how there's Thomas Wayne. Uh, there's, there's mentions of Thomas Wayne. There's a picture of a bunch of boys. One of the boys we specifically said is this Riddler because, of course, it has a boy with glasses and hair that's very similar to Paul Dano's, and we just assumed that it, that that's what it was. Well, this trailer, which is labeled the Vengeance trailer by a lot of the media, this trailer specifically makes that very apparent that that is, in fact, uh, the Riddler or Edward Nashton, as, as he's referred to before he becomes the actual Riddler, um, that is him. And he does have some sort of tie to this orphanage. And um, it, it's it's interesting because some of the stuff that we've we spent time hypothesizing has actually already been proven before the film actually comes out, which makes me think that there is so much more that we have yet to see. Yeah, I think that's well said. I don't have anything to add to that. I just I mean I thought it was cool, but yeah, I have nothing to add. Yeah, that one minute trailer was definitely the 
highlight of um, our Saturday night because the dunk contest was terrible. So I was glad I at least stuck around for that trailer. But um, I like how they're all kind of, uh, I'll call Batman like vengeance, like almost kind of like in a sarcastic way, like they're goofing on because they heard him. The first trailer when he tells the thug that he's vengeance, they're all kind of like messing with them. I kind of like that part of it. And the part where Gordon, I don't know if he's talking about the Riddler, but when he's like, oh, this guy's hilarious because it kind of those small little like Easter egg tease like in the future, you know, that there might be a Joker coming and that we know he's funnier than everybody. Yeah. So the last thing I want to talk about is the projections. So the article that we posted at the beginning of the month, uh, we posted up a kind of a brief synopsis of what Box Office Pro was, uh, they released for their long-range projections for the Batman. They put the opening weekend between 135 and 185 million, and obviously that is a huge number, which is great, but this is a significant number specifically for film in general because there's only been one other film able to make that much money since the beginning of the pandemic, which was Spider-Man No Way Home. That's also significant because not only has that film made more money than any other film since the beginning of the pandemic, but it is also extremely close to passing the amount that Avatar made domestically, which was the film that originally dethroned The Dark Knight way back in 2010. Um, also, they, that movie made a boatload of money, and I my hope is that this movie makes a boatload of money. Uh, I'm going to see it multiple times. Um, I know a lot of other people are going to end up seeing it multiple times, but I just hope that the mainstream audience that maybe is only going to see it once they go out and see it once because I don't know that it's this is going to be well it's not it's not going to be a nostalgia trip like Spider-Man No Way Home no shade on that film it was a good film but it was very much uh, all about the nostalgia of having the different Spider-Mans in the film and this is kind of the beginning so if this film can do you know maybe not as well as Spider-Man No Way Home I mean I hope it does but if it does a billion dollars that sets up Matt Reeves and what they're wanting to do really well. Because even when you look back on Batman Begins, it didn't make a billion dollars. I think the the hype is there, and I think it's a really good time for the film to be coming out. Um, specifically, there's like no competition for a while. Um, Uncharted just came out this past weekend, and it only made about forty to fifty million, which means. Uh, no offense to that film, it's going to peter out in the next two weeks because while it might have a good week this coming week, it's not going to hold its place uh, that high in the charts when The Batman comes out on March 4th. Um, another film that just came out, Dog, did $15 million this past weekend, and that movie did surprisingly well. But again, I don't know that it's going to keep holding those numbers so I think really the Batman is going to be the film that is going to be in a really good spot to be not having a whole lot of competition in general. There was a Pixar film, Turning Red, that was supposed to release in theaters, and instead it's going directly to Disney+. Plus. So that film, again, clears the way for there to be even less um, less competition when it comes to the Batman being able to make money. So for the month, month of March, at the very least, if you're going to the theater and you're, I mean, obviously I assume everyone listening to this is going to go to the theater anyway, but uh, for those people who typically would just go to the movie and watch a film for the month of March, there's not going to be a lot of other films that they're going to be able to see if they're not going to go see the Batman. So it's in a really good spot because I know sometimes films release and there's a lot of competition or you've got two weeks basically to make a bunch of money before a new movie comes up. That, that tends to happen a lot in the summer and it's going to happen a lot this summer 
specifically because of all the movies that were previously held out of the theaters last summer and obviously in 2020 this year is the real year that a lot of films are going to be releasing so this film has the potential to do really really well and i really hope it does i you know i mean i'm not an expert or anything but i have a feeling it might do better than spider-man and for a couple reasons one you know we're seeing declines in covid cases kind of across the country now and people are rolling back i mean in illinois you know we're the mask mandate is going away as of next a week from when we're recording this um is like the last day for it so like you're seeing all these declines so that might encourage more people to go to the theater but also i think you know like spider-man is great and i love spider-man i one of my other favorite comic book characters you know that i read regularly um, but I do feel like Batman is a character that has a little bit more wider appeal in the sense that, you know, he's typically an adult and can be someone that's more identifiable or recognizable with different audiences, a wider range of audiences. It's not you know, like the new films are kind of they're great, but you have to be into the teen drama a little bit to you know be on board you know and it's it has a darker you know edge to it there's a thriller suspense angle that they use to sell all the nolan batman films and you know this film and i feel like that has a little bit of wider appeal in its own to different audiences than you know just the people who go to see the mcu films so i kind of feel like those couple of factors might help this topple spider-man and i hope so because i want this to do well because i want to see all the spin-off shows and you know sequels and you know they're already flooding all the stores with all the product for both adults and kids so it's everywhere well just to jump in real quick the one thing i will say is while i i do not disagree with any of your statements the one thing that i will counter is while Spider-Man, I think, appeals is is geared towards a slightly younger audience, and this movie gears towards obviously an older audience. The one thing that Spider-Man always does really well is it it it, it tracks the children. While there are plenty of children who like Batman, I think Batman has been on a stretch at least for a while where not a lot of children are as excited about Batman as they used to be. I can say from having three kids, my youngest, who's only four, who hasn't been around for any Batman film to release, he, he when Spider-Man came out and I said we were going to the theater, he was gung-ho about going to the theater. When I told him Batman was coming out, not so much. My other two, on the other hand, they've been around and they've experienced it and they were absolutely in, you know wanting to go see the Batman film. And... Once I see it to make sure that it's completely appropriate for them, I will definitely be taking them. Um, but um, that said, I, I think that Spider-Man is like it's like the it's the kid friendly uh, character. And I think that's one of the reasons why it does so well when it comes to merchandise as, as a whole. Spider-Man outsells Batman like hands down. And I think a lot of that has to do with. Warner doesn't always isn't always great about making sure there's enough merchandise or marketing the merchandise to the right people, um, and that's not necessarily just Warner Brothers. For the longest time, I think there wasn't a lot of action figures or as many as there could be, and I think now we're at a prime time where like we've got McFarlane and Spin Master both making tons of action figures outside of like. DC Direct is doing stuff and other companies are doing things, more collectible aspects. But now is like the first time in, honestly, the history of the entire podcast. And that's like almost 14 years. That is 14 years. Shh, that's 14 years. Um, 
in 14 years, there's more Batman stuff on shelves right now than there is has been at any other point. You know, there's stuff for young kids. There's stuff for collectors. There's stuff. There, there's vehicles. There's play sets. There's all kinds of stuff. And I greatly appreciate that. And hopefully, maybe Batman does overtake Spider-Man. And it would be great to see. Um, but the point you made about the COVID cases is a good point because Spider-Man did come out in December right when cases were starting to go back up. And uh, the cases, at least, I should say the average cases across the country have gone down significantly since then. So it does have the potential of being able to be the the first movie for a lot of people to go see that maybe they wouldn't have gone seen a couple months back when Spider-Man came out. Number two behind Spider-Man, I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's true. That movie was such a juggernaut. So, uh, but I'm sure this movie might approach like numbers like The Dark Knight did and Dark Knight Rises may probably exceed them because I know a lot of people who really don't really are into the Marvel movies, but they were really into the Dark Knight trilogy and that and this movie gives off that that vibe, the Nolan vibe. So I wonder if they will. I'm sure there's I'm sure plenty of people who like the Dark Knight trilogy will come see this. All right, so that is going to wrap up our conversation about all the new updates for the Batman. Um, next week, let's talk about what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. So next week we have uh, a little bit of an interesting episode. There was a there's a book that released. Uh, there's a it's called Before the Batman, an original all, uh, movie novel, and this book. Uh, specifically takes place as a prequel to the movie itself. And we, as a collective group, are going to be reading through this and pulling out some of the interesting facts prior to the film coming out to share. And just to give you a tease, because um, our fellow co-host Otto picked up the book uh, earlier this week, and he (laughs) shared a couple of just like the little bits that were just revealed on the first couple pages of the book. Uh, for example, the reason why uh, Bruce Wayne is not in Wayne Manor is because Wayne Manor was donated to the city to serve as an orphanage by Bruce's parents when Bruce was six years old and the Waynes moved to Wayne Tower. Wow. Okay. There's a lot to unpack with just that uh, that, that uh, reveal. Um, that explains why the Batcave is in that subway tower at the base of Wayne Tower, as they've already said. Um, it explains why we don't see Wayne Manor or the Batcave. Um, it also ties into the potential uh, aspect of the Riddler being an orphan at the orphanage, which we've talked about in the past. There's a lot of things there. Another one, um, there was uh, Thomas Wayne decided to run for mayor when Bruce was 10. That's a big deal because that's also around the time that Thomas Wayne would have ended up being murdered and he could have been murdered because maybe he was going to become mayor. Um, So, I mean, there's a lot of different things. I'm not going to go into too many more because we want to save some of them for next week, but there's a lot of reveals here. So if you are interested in picking up the book, I'll provide a link in the description of the video uh, on YouTube and also the description of the podcast over on the website for you guys to take a look at the book. It's only uh, $10 to pick up. Uh, the paperback copies are already sold out on Amazon, surprisingly. So you'd have to pick up a digital copy if you want to pick up a digital copy. It's the same price, unfortunately. Um, but 
that is what we're going to be talking about next week as we lead into the release of the film. Um, the following week, we're going to be talking all about the Batman. Uh, the film has will have released by the time we record, and we're going to be giving our first reactions to the film itself and uh, talking about basically everything. I mean, we might ha- we might unpack it over multiple episodes because there's just so much to talk about with the almost three-hour runtime that the film's going to be. So that's what we're going to be doing in the coming weeks. Um, And then obviously after the film comes out and after we do our first reactions and kind of a roundup for the film, we'll be doing a bunch of other things that might not be necessarily be related to the Batman, but who knows? We might be talking about the Batman for the entire month of March. And if that's the case... That's that's just what's going to happen. I mean, uh, you guys are along for the ride. Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners that have been taking a listen to the podcast since we relaunched, specifically for gearing up for the release of this film. That's one of the reasons why I made sure that we could bring this podcast back was so that we could talk about it prior to this film coming out, get the hype really amped up, and then discuss it once it comes out. So that's what you can look forward to. Obviously, we have lots of other topics that we're going to get to over the, the coming months. There's all kinds of different things that we can talk about. And if you have something that you'd like us to talk about, or if there's something related to the Batman film that you want us to talk about in March, please leave, drop us a message or you can leave it on Discord. You can leave it on the website in the comment section. You can leave it on YouTube on the comment section, wherever you're listening to the podcast. Um, you can always email us at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net uh, with any of those uh, suggestions for episodes either currently with the Batman or in the uh, near future with other topics you'd like us to discuss. Um, in addition to that, be sure to check out our website, thebatmanuniverse.net, for all kinds of news, original content, other podcasts related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, comics, and everything else related to the Bat fandom. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Discord. Uh, you can find all of our social links over on the website, thebatmanuniverse.net, at the top of the page. And uh, if you are interested in supporting us, we do have a link that is always posted at the end of the podcast description talking about different ways you can support us, uh, either through Patreon, which allows you to get early access to these episodes, unedited versions of the episodes. And then uh, we also have a number of other ways you can support us and you can take a look at those. And the the main way right now that you can support us is if you are buying tickets to go see the Batman, be sure to use our affiliate links for either Fandango, Adam Tickets, or Alamo Draft House. We do get a literally a, a small... <laughs> Let's put it. I'll put. I'll be completely honest here. We get a dime, a dime for every ticket we sell. So every ticket we sell, we get ten cents. So if you can share ten cents with us, which you're not getting charged for, it's obviously an affiliate link uh, that helps the site do what we do with editing and uh, our server costs and all of that stuff that comes with running a massive site like we run. So. Uh, with all of that being said, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. For BJ, Scott, and myself, we will see you guys next time.